everyone. My name is Ellen and this is Listo, a pilot global health podcast working towards educating and empowering one another to become better, more informed citizens of our world. This is the first of a series of interviews recorded in Cucuta, Colombia, in partnership with the Angio Med Global, just as COVID really hit South America. Despite the pandemic, Med Global continues to provide aid to Venezuelan migrants on the border of Colombia and Venezuela, and they are still doing work in several crisis locations around the world. If you would like to learn more about what they do and how you can help out, you can find them on social media or at medglobal.org. Thank you so much. Back to our first interview with our French-Canadian friend. Yeah, I'm so uncultured, I can't even say his name right. <laughs> Dr. Guillaume Monjo-Moctain. Yeah, Dr. Guillaume, if you want to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your experience, your interests, and what brought you here to Kukuta. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, so my name is Guillaume Monjo. I'm a family doctor from Canada, currently based in uh, Calgary, out west in Canada. And I'm a family doctor who specializes in refugee health. And I work exclusively with, uh, with refugees, actually. So I spend half of my time working in, in Calgary at a refugee clinic called the Mosaic Refugee Health Clinic. And the, I spend the other half of my time working in refugee camps or, you know, like crisis situations such as the one here in Colombia and Venezuela. And yeah, that's pretty much it. That's my life. Cool. That's a really wonderful and unconventional way to be a family med doc. I'm sure that you have a lot of really cool experiences and stories. Just to start out, yeah, if you could tell us a little bit about this app that you have. Maybe if you talk about it, you'll get some more downloads from students in the U.S. Uh, yeah, so as part of my work at the refugee clinic in Calgary, I created this app, this healthcare app called Refugee Care. And it's basically a, um, a medical app with guidelines for family physicians, Canadian family physicians, seeing uh, newly arrived refugees and refugee claimants. And in, in the app, you'll find, you know, screening recommendations. So what are the screening tests you should do in newly arrived refugees? Treatment guidelines for the most common conditions we encounter in these patients. Uh, maps, um, because we use a lot of maps actually in refugee health. So all these useful tools that we use daily at the refugee clinic. And um, yeah, the reason why we decided to create this app is because we realized that family physicians in the community were not trained properly in matters of refugee and immigrant health, as well as tropical medicine. And obviously it's not their fault. It's because medical curriculums in Canada just don't offer that kind of training. And so we hope that the, uh, the app uh, your refugee care will be able to kind of close that gap in medical education. Yeah, even though it's um, from a Canadian doctor, there's a lot of really relevant information that's for any refugee group worldwide. And so it'd be a cool thing to download that up and um, educate yourself more about what to do for those vulnerable And populations. it's free. Woohoo! <laughs> Hot dog. Next, because you're a family doc and you see all kinds of patients, um, we want to talk about pediatric patients, especially right now, because in migratory groups, definitely pregnant women and um, children are some of the those that suffer most. And so what are some of the biggest health concerns that you're seeing at the clinic in Kujuta? And what are some of the barriers to care that you think some of our patients are experiencing? 
Well, I think most of the patients I see are um, women of childbearing age and children, big majority of them actually. And for children, I think by far the um, most common problem that we encounter is malnutrition. Not necessarily like acute, severe malnutrition, but a lot of chronic malnutrition with growth stunting and so on. This is obviously mainly due to, well, several factors. The biggest one is probably the situation in Venezuela. The lack of uh, food in a country is a, a well-known problem. But then you have other um, contributing issues as well. Uh, parasites are a big one. We often uh, encounter children who have um, yeah, parasites in their stools, and so we, we often treat them for that. And yeah, we do get a lot of pregnant women as well. Obviously, like adequate prenatal care is always an issue, especially in populations like these that are constantly on the move um, or simply simply cannot afford uh, healthcare. So, thankfully, like at our clinic in Cucuta, everything is 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 free for prenatal care, uh, for childcare as well. I don't know if you had any more specific questions about that. Yeah, I guess when in doubt, thersomabendazole <laughs> on the med list and you're good to go. Um, I guess with regards to some of the populations that you see in Canada, can you describe those demographics a little bit more and if there are any health concerns from those refugee groups that are different from what you see when you're here or other places internationally? I know that's a big question. but Yeah, so um, Canada is accepting refugees from all over the world. At my clinic, we see, you know, every every month you know, we see a different group of refugees, but mostly we see Syrians, we see African patients mainly from Nigeria, from Eritrea a lot, from the Congo as well, and we're getting uh, we're starting to see a lot more people from Latin America, so countries like Honduras, Salvador, and Colombia and Venezuela, uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, a lot of these people go through the United States first, and then, well, because of your lovely president, they they usually end up crossing our border and trying to seek asylum in Canada. So, so it's it's hard to put all these people in the same basket. Uh, they all present different challenges for sure. So obviously, like chronic malnutrition in the kids we see in our clinic is a big thing. Uh, but I think our the biggest issue we have to deal with is like psychiatric issues, mainly PTSD depressions so we deal with a lot of people who've been you know victims of rape torture any kind of violence uh, or, or have been witness uh, of such violent acts recently we've accepted a lot of Yazidi refugees so these are it's an like an ethnic group from northern Iraq who was basically the victim of a genocide by ISIS a few years ago so these people took a lot of our, our resources uh, and, and still do. So yeah, every couple of months we get this new group uh, coming to Canada and uh, we have to deal with new challenges. Um, but overall, obviously our resources at the refugee clinic in Canada are a lot better than the resources we have in a place like here in Kukuta or in other refugee camps where I've worked. So yeah, we're probably better equipped to deal with these people. But um, I feel like, you know, I've been working for a year now with MedGlobal. Um, so the mission here in Kukuta is part of, of this NGO called MedGlobal. And I feel like with MedGlobal, we do have the essential resources we need to 
properly treat at least all the basic problems we encounter usually in refugee patients. So that's good. Yeah, that's a lot of really good insight into refugee populations around the world and what Canada is doing versus the U.S.'s response. Also, if you could tell us a little bit about other places you've been with for MedGlobal and other outreach projects you've done internationally, it'd be cool for our, our students to learn a bit about that as well. Uh, yeah, so with MedGlobal, I've been working so um, here in Colombia uh, with the Venezuelan refugees. A few months ago, I was working in Greece on Lesbos Island, which is a, a big hotspot right now, actually. Uh, there, I would see, you know, refugees again from all over the place, uh, but mainly uh, from Afghanistan and from Congo and Cameroon. And yeah, working in Moria Camp in Lesbos was quite an experience. It's like working in a prison uh, almost. And the people there are really living in horrible conditions. Before that, I worked with the Rohingyas in Bangladesh. So they're Rohingya refugees who were basically victims of a genocide by the Burmese army and government. Um, so yeah, so there I worked in Kutupalong camp, which is the biggest refugee camp in the world. Approximately a million people live in this refugee camp with, again, um, terrible living conditions. And I usually also, uh, this is not part of MedGlobal, but I usually work, go once a year to Benin. It's a tiny country in West Africa. Not a lot of people know about this country great people there and I uh, usually go there to teach uh, Canadian family medicine residents who go there to do an uh, like their international elective rotation so that's always a lot of fun the pathologies we see in sub-saharan Africa are you know probably the most interesting pathologies you have to know how to deal with severe malaria meningitis all the tropical illnesses that you never see anywhere else uh, so I'll always I always like going there, especially for you know, this kind of medical challenge. It's always fun. Yeah, it's pretty much it. My career is still young, so hopefully more uh, experiences like this in the future. And um, you're not just Canadian, you're French-Canadian. So have you been able to uh, use your French much in your work within Canada or internationally? Well, actually, uh, <laughs> in Canada, most people don't speak French. Uh, it's just that one part of Canada where... Well, where I'm from, from Montreal. Um, but yeah, like in, in, in Africa, in Benin, everyone speaks French there. Uh, and so French is always a, a useful tool to have. Spanish as well. But, you know, if I had to give advice to future global health uh, practitioners, I would say, you know, learn one of the big four languages. So English, French, Spanish, but especially Arabic. It's another one. I tried to learn Arabic, but I failed miserably. Uh, but if you manage to learn at least two of these four languages, at least you, I, I think you'll open like a lot of doors and opportunities. Very cool. Thank you so much for all of your insights. And um, just before we close, I wanted to ask if there's any opportunity for medical students from the U.S. if they wanted to come rotate and work with you in, in your clinic in Calgary, would that be possible? Yeah, so we do uh, welcome both residents and medical students at the Mosaic Refugee Health Clinic in Calgary. We only accept a one like learner per per rotation per month, so it's quite hard to get a spot. But every month, yeah, we do have a new learner, and we don't just accept students from Canada. We we have international students who join us all the time, so that's not an issue. But you just have to contact our clinic like a year in advance or something like that. 
Gotcha. So any budding global health people out there, <laughs> get on that right now. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate all of your thoughts and insights and education um, on a lot of these really important topics worldwide that are kind of uh, maybe not as talked about in medicine as we know it in the United States. So thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and all the best of luck to your future endeavors. Thank you, Dr. Ellen. Not a doctor. Thank you all for listening to Lisa's first mini-series recorded in Cucuta, Colombia in partnership with the international NGO MedGlobal. If you would like to learn more, please check out the show notes. We appreciate Matthew Dowling for Lisa's music and Dr. Bruce Stockton for the beautiful podcast artwork. If you have any comments, questions, or ideas, please reach out and we would love to work together. Until next time, stay informed.